even hot, it wasn't all that hot. Welcome to the So Wizards Podcast. I'm Kevin Brown, along with co-host Ron Coach Cunningham. And today we are um, it's the it's the clash of, of rivals, the, the epic battle between Wizards Podcasts and um, this is, I guess, what is this? This is like, you know, only Nixon could go to China. Um, I don't know what. Uh, but anyway, we're joined today by Damo of Wizards at Gallery Place, which is a terrific podcast. And um, welcome. Welcome. Oh, man. Thank, thank you for having me on, man. Uh, you know, we always go back and forth on some, some spirited uh, Wizards debate, man. It's just, it's just good combo to have. And I, I just love being able to talk a little, talk a little ball with fellow fellow Wizards fans. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, all right. Um, we we've got a few things that we wanted to kick around a little bit, and um, I'm actually going to sort of yield the floor to to Ron because this is his theory. This is his campaign. He's the one propagandizing this. Yes, I am. So, Ron, go ahead. <laughs> it. Yes, I am. Um, I I stand uh, guilty of all all things accused like yes i am like uh the results didn't show that Rui hachimura deserves uh more playing time so now it's time to go to you know the fourth state the media propaganda so i'm going to spew it uh into it you can spew it that war because it's coming to fruition but yeah like like domo um i think like you you and i are at least in like common consent that you know the season's lost um what's the benefit of playing the veteran guys when as i see it they couldn't lead us to the play-in tournament so typically in most nba seasons um you know when you reach that point of okay it's over you tend to like start developing the the younger kids it's um kimba walker last year you look at like al horford it's like those players can play elsewhere but we're not going anywhere let us start developing and typically you want to develop players who you who you see having a um, i guess like a future uh, with your franchise and most players you you tend to uh, I guess like cabinet for are ones you you tend you pick high on like that they were your first round picks your lottery picks so we have two uh, I think the more talented of the bunch is Rui and I, I say that because like digging into like some like previous stuff reported on him like rereading Albert uh, Albert Lee's uh, pregame like pre draft post on him like I actually post draft post on him and he felt that like Rui could teether between uh, Antoine Jameson or a player comps, right so he's clearly developing you look back in um, his time at Gonzaga he went from bench warmer I played D1 ball to like a second team All-American and there's one common thing and all of the, the progress Rui has made opportunity whereas this year you know, this has been a 30-minute per game player starter. Um, I've seen on my own two eyes, uh, not the greatest vision, but I've seen on my own two eyes, like, close out a playoff game win. You know, like, I, and as a second-year player, without too much development, our leaders, Brad and Russ, trusting in him. And, yeah, he can't sniff above 27 minutes per game this year and a lost year. So I think we need to free him and it says give him some more opportunities. And I have, like, a lot of reasons for it. But I like we just want to hear your thoughts, and then we we'll pass it to Kev because, like Kev, tell he he wants this man arrested, like he was in solitary confinement. Yeah. So so yeah, I, I think I think Rui, you know, I, I like what I see with his development. Like coming out of the draft, like I felt like he he just reminded me of Tobias Harris, his skill set. Um, you know, the body type. Um, you know, just how he's kind of like a face up for starts out. But you know, had a decent mid range game. Decent finisher around the rim, excellent athlete. Um, but you just wanted to see him kind of get better feel for the game. You know, some of his reads he would make, but get better defensively. 
Uh, and I think I think this year, even though he's he missed those first, I don't know how many games it was, 40 or so games, I think he's done that to a degree. Um, obviously, he's shooting shooting the leather off the ball from the three-point range, albeit it's not from, uh, you know, elite volume. But I, I feel like his offense has kind of progressed to where, you know, most people want to see it go. Like, you want him to become kind of the three and D, stretch the floor, spacing type player. Um, but I, I just feel like, he kind of missing those first 40 games just kind of it just put a big question mark on what's next for him and just his future on the team, in my opinion. And then the development of Kuzma, uh, it kind of to a degree makes his skill set maybe expendable. Um, and I think that's kind of what Wes is trying to kind of balance is you got a lot of guys on the team that that kind of do that play the same position and how do you play all of them? Um, you know, Kuzma is a guy that's going to get 30 minutes. Well, your top 10 pick from two years ago or three years ago now is you would expect him to be getting 30 minutes now. Uh, so, so, so what do you do? They don't really, you know, you could play them together, but it's kind of a clunky fit. So, you know, I, I just think, I think honestly, I think Rui can be a really good player. What I'm what I'm starting to doubt now is if if it's going to be in DC, just mm-hmm. because there may not be enough opportunity for him now that Kyle Kuzma has kind of inserted himself in that spot, and it's just it's it's kind of it'll be a redundant type skill set if you're just going to keep your top ten pick on the bench, getting like twenty twenty two minutes. You know that's the that's not Rui's skill set to get nine, 10 shots and be this overly uh, impactful player, you know, shooting the ball nine, 10 times a game. Yeah. See, I, I mean, I'm with you on at least some of that. Um, like obviously his shooting is, has been terrific. I mean, he's like 48% roughly on threes. His volume has gone up. I mean, he's, he's up to around a little over six per hundred possessions, which is, which is, not great volume, but it's better, right? I mean, right. if he's shooting at that percentage for real, I mean, if he's like legitimately a 40 plus percent three point shooter, you want him getting like 10, 12 per hundred possessions or more, right? Get him up. And uh, so the things that still concern me about him though is okay, I mean, there is like a role for a guy who can shoot. Is so what, what has me concerned about him is one is just this still just stunning lack of defensive awareness. I mean, that guys drive across his face constantly. They cut across his face constantly. Um, he doesn't notice. I mean, there, there was a basic cut um, yesterday that Le- LeBron made. And when I say basic, I mean, it was just the kind of like a clear out kind of cut. And Sadoransky missed it because he was ball watching. I don't know how you ball watch when you're supposed to be guarding LeBron, but he did. And um, then Rui was next in line, but he was so unaware that he like reacted to it after LeBron was already laying the ball in. And it's like, you know, if you're the backline defender there, you have to be more aware than that. And so that shows up also sometimes on the offensive end with his passing. He's made some nice passes here and there. Not a lot. Um, His rebounding, you know, the, the, Allegation last year was that his rebounding dropped because Russell Westbrook was there stealing, stealing rebounds from him. This year, his his rebounding per hundred possessions are exactly the same. 
right? So it's, um, I, you know, maybe even down slightly. So, it, you know, I don't think Westbrook is stealing rebounds from him this year. So um, those are basically my concerns is, is that off ball defense is important if he's going to be a power forward because he's going to be on that back line, right? Um, it's going to be important even if he's like playing some three and he's, he's defending wings and that kind of stuff because the, you know, the corner is an important spot. So he's still going to end up on the back line quite a bit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still concerned with him. Um, I wouldn't spend a lot to keep him. And I would certainly consider trading him. I mean, I, I think I'm, as Ron knows, and as I've written, I'm not um, a huge Kyle Kuzma guy either. I mean, Kuzma definitely is having the best year of his career. He's still, you know, kind of average plus, you know, average starter type oh. of guy. He's useful and he's outperforming his contract. But, you know, I don't think that Kuzma is like a building block. Uh, I certainly don't think that really is. And uh, I think Hachimura, if he puts in, a lot of work on, I mean, when I say a lot of work, I mean, he needs to watch a ton of film. He, he needs to like really get into the X's and O's, understand how teams are trying to attack them and, you know, step up in that regard to improve his basketball IQ. It's, I think it's going to take a ton of study and a lot of work on his part. And, uh, but other, I mean, he definitely has tools physically. He's got tools, right. And he's, he's now become a, a a good three-point shooter, it looks like. So, you know, the, the, those are, that's progress and those are some building blocks, but I think he's still got a ways to go. All right, so so I kind of preempted, like I, I knew, um, like Dom, I didn't, I didn't know where you would go with this, but I knew Kev was going to go to his lack of fill, right? So diving into the research, he has a lack of fill for the game because he came to the game late, right? So amongst the most precocious players, because they all are, I mean, think of it, think of it this way. You're 22, 23 years old, years old, and you're the like some of the best players on the planet right now. You did it at that young. You mastered the game. Um, but a lot of that field comes from his, like, quite frankly, his lack of game time, like real game time against, like, uh, these top, top players. Like, we know at Gonzaga, um, they're going against – I mean, they, he beat Duke that year, but he's going against, like, very few players who, who will be pros at the highest level in his conference. So he didn't get that experience into NBA. And we know what happened with, uh, he, he was injured. And we know what happened with the, um, the COVID stuff. And then last year, and then this year he took time off. Um, so he needs like those reps. And, and something you said about, you just don't see it being here in DC. That's fair. That would suck. I, I, I would tremendously uh, be hurt. Like, um, I, I don't know. I'll make like an effigy of, um, of Ted and like burn it or something and like some fake protest or something like that. But um, and here's why I say that is because uh, if we if we give him out now, like, for example, we were trying to trade him this past trading, I guess, like trade deadline to get some bonus. Um, if we give him out now, I don't think we'll get a high return on investment. And I think in a few years under a coach who does like develop him, um, we're going to be laughing stocks at again. Like he, he could be a very well um, a player San, San Antonio targets, for example, who, who develops him. And this is why I say it, because at every place he's ever been at, like when he came to America, every single thing he's done shows his aptitude and his ability to apply what he learned and master it. I think he, they wanted him to redshirt his freshman year because he didn't master English. Now this dude is fluent. He talks shit in English. Like, so he, he did that. Um, they said he was always a good mid-range, like, shooter, so he needed to expand it more. He's done that. Like, I mean... He took a break for mental health issues, but I do a credit to he also worked on his game. 
So it's not like he he sat around and moped. Like he really put work in. And the only issues now that remain from uh, the same type of stuff that they were spewing prior to him uh, actually suing up for the team as a defender. Well, you only get that by the more time you play. And then playing in 25 minutes, it's like for, Wes is forcing him, you better play good or I'm going to to take you out early. Like He has a very short leash for Rui uh, and Denny to some extent. And so what has Rui done? Become more efficient. Like he's maximizing his opportunities. He's, he's I mean, again, I, maximizing his opportunities to get about 10 a game with very few opportunities of sets being run for him, um, being the last person with the ball in his hand, um, shooting the three, getting confident, working on his game. And all of those bode well to, if you get like the position, if you give him more minutes, he's only going to continue to blossom. And now Domo, I, w- I want to hear what you think of this, but um, I know you said like how Kuzma's skill has made him expendable. But I look at it like long term. I think Rui's way more talented um, than than Kuz is. And if we put Rui in that those positions, I just think it looks a little bit better than uh, what Kuz has done in terms of like winning games. Like Kuz has been great. Uh, Kevin hates him. I don't hate him. I I I know he's a Kobe disciple. I tell all my light skinned friends he's like one of the best you have. Like when he was playing better than Steph, they didn't like it. I was like Steph's no longer your hero. It's Kuz. So I respect him. It's just. Rui, I just feel, has more to offer. So if he's in that position, he could blossom into, like, a legit star you go to close out games because he has a skill set, you know, no one could stop, which is that mid-range jumper, which you need to win games, in my opinion. So, yeah, I just, I just want to hear y'all thoughts to that. Like, one, I think, uh, I think he's, he's going to be better long-term than Kuz. And two, even if we are trading him, shouldn't we play him more so he can, like, drive up the price? Or, well, we're going to get a second-round pick for a guy we, we pick number nine. Yeah, I think now the Kuzma point as far as the skill set, I'm not sure about that because, like, for me, when I when I break them down, just skill for skill, like playmaking, you know, mid range ability, finishing at the rim, three point shot, uh, you know, defense, on ball, off ball. I think Kuzma has the edge, but I can see a version of Rui, you know, if he's developed properly, where you know, it, it could definitely be debatable where it's just one is not necessarily better than the other. They're just different in how they 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 approach the game. Like, because I could see Rui being a guy, you know, who could face you up and is, is automatic from the mid-range, can stretch it out to three, uh, you know, run in transition, you know, rebound and go, get in transition, dunking on guys. Like, he has his athletic profile to me is a, is a little bit better than Kuzma's. Uh, but I think Kuzma gives you a little more versatility with his playmaking that I think is something you can kind of build on a little more. But, yeah, if, if, if saying, you know, five years from now, uh, if, if Rui was, you know, uh, 20 and six, you know, on, I don't know, 50, 38, 78 shooting, that would not shock me at all. I think the key with him I think Broom, you you've mentioned this a bunch with him. It's just how his his awareness, his defensive awareness is gonna come. Cause I think because he was so late to the game, that's the thing he's gonna struggle most with. Cause he just hasn't done it. He didn't come through the American in the youth system, mm-hmm. playing against guys, you know, with, with street mm-hmm. ball handle and yeah. kind of learning those movements and just no, you know, being familiar with that. Like this is all new to him. And I think that was part of the appeal with Tommy, that you had a guy that was just basically like 
he was just so athletic, you know, Kawhi Leonard type hands, but he didn't even really know how to use it yet. And he was an AP All-American, yeah. you know, so he didn't build up those bad habits that some kids have coming through that American AAU system. He was just a guy that came from a good program, had all the athletic tools. And now if I can get him under good coaching and get him some, you know, some good reps, we can develop him into a, you know, an all-star level player. Uh, but but I'm I'm curious to see what what Wes has for him over this summer because um, I'm not sure that there was much development being done under Scott Brooks. I just think they were trying to they were trying to win and just stick him out there, uh, you know, just to kind of be you know around Russ Brad Beal and see what he can do. But I don't know if it was much development being going going down. So it, my feeling on player development is that the bulk of that actually falls on the player in, in most cases. Rui, I think, is maybe the one exception to that to an extent in that what he, his problem is that lack of awareness that, we, that we've been talking about. And that is based on, I, I think you guys are 100% correct, that it's based on the, the, the lack of experience at you know, playing high-level opponents. And, you know, so on one hand, it's like, okay, there's potential there. On the other hand, he's also what, 23 going on 24. And it's like, you know, he, he's way behind his peers when it comes to that kind of thing. So that is an area where I think coaching can help like a good coach who's in his ear. I mean, I think that was one of the real values of Russell Westbrook um, last season. And I think that Rui would be a better player if we, if Westbrook was his teammate now, because you know, Westbrook was on him, was, was in his ear and was talking to him constantly about um, how to play. Because I think that Rui, you know, maybe it's that coming in later, um, coming to the game later, uh, it's almost like he seems to view the game as a shooting contest more so than an overall game, right? No way. So what I'm saying is that, like, with Westbrook, that started to change. There was more aggression to his game. He was trying to dunk on people. He was, you know, he was trying to do more of that kind of stuff. I, I haven't seen nearly as much of that this season. So, well, go no, ahead. To, to put it, like, in a cultural terms, like, no, he, he has an inner dog in him. Like, he has an inner dog in him. And then all of the stuff, like, you you are right. Like, I watched some of the really stuff. I was like, come on, bro. How do you give that up? Like, come on, bro. You rotate. Like, you have to see it, right? But then there are explanations for why he doesn't do it. And the only way... If you does if you don't fundamentally understand it, then you have to like do it how dogs do. You have to make it intuitive, and to do that, you have to be in that situation. So Russ will get on him because he knew deep inside of him he's a dog. Like if Rui develops the mindset which he has, and I know um his his trainer his trainer has talked about this uh, on podcasts as well before. Like Rui has to know like once I get the ball in these areas, there's no one in a country in the world who can fucking stop me from getting a bucket. If you try to get up on my jump shot, I'm too big and strong. I'll power through you. And that's true. So it's like, um, and to your point, don't, so it, that does play into, okay, Scott Brooks, just put him out there. Um, yo, just go do something. And we didn't really like get to see that. But with the Russ stuff, Russ knows he, he's a great player in the making. And that's the thing. Kuz is nice. Kuz is a good scorer. I mean, the playmaker, the playmaking ability is uh, cool. Is added this year. Like he wants that, you know, he played with LeBron. He knows that's how you get the biggest paychecks. Get to 20, get to 10, get like maybe five, six assists. They got to pay you with the other players who are doing that. But in terms of um, not rebounding or doing anything else, I would say this, man, I, I don't, 
if I'm going to get Kawhi Leonard or Kawhi Leonard type player, I'm getting him because of what he can do on the offensive end. Um, primarily the defensive end, locking down your next best player. Like I think Rui has an inner dog in him. Uh, I I think um, and the only way for him to to get better on his perceived faults, like I, I don't know if I, either you mentioned it, he he can't handle the rock or create like off one on one. Hence why if he came up in the American system, he would have learned you know, how to, one, stop those moves, and then, two, employ them uh, in his game as well. So uh, I think, like, the only way to do that is now putting him in a fire. Like, he has to swim or drown. Yeah. See, I don't really see – I mean, I, I don't really agree with that, like, inner dog thing. I mean, I think about, like, his former teammate at Gonzaga, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark has some of that. I mean, there are guys who – that's something the Wizards, man, they could really use – a wacko oh. competitor like Patrick Beverly. I mean, I yeah. would love for not, not necessarily Beverly himself, but I would love for a player with that kind of attitude. I mean, right. if Rui had that kind of attitude, he would be Kawhi Leonard, right? I mean, he would already right. be. <laughs> getting it, man. He took the well, what, what I don't get, what I don't get with Rui though, is because like initially when we drafted him, I wasn't sold on him just off of his Gonzaga tape. But then when I watched him in FIBA play, I was like, oh, this is a whole different dude. Like, the way he was dunking on when he dunked on Miles Turner and yes. like he was literally carrying a whole country on his back. Um, and just just his aggressiveness and how he approached the game. Like, I haven't seen that guy consistently here. You see it in spurts and flashes, but I'm just like, just be that guy, be that FIBA guy every game with be that FIBA guy with extended three-point range. And I think you got yourself a a, a you know borderline all-star level score. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it's just I don't understand why. We don't see it more consistently. I don't know if it, you know, he has some issues off the court, you know, personal, or, you know, it's just a transition and changing how, you know, his style of play, you know, extending his range. I'm not sure, but I, I would love to see the FIBA Rui because that's the Rui I felt like was worthy of a top 10 selection. Would you say that FIBA Rui's a dog? Oh, yeah, for sure. For so Rui's sure. a dog. He has it in him. It's inside of him. We just need to extract it. He's got to do it in NBA games, like consistently. He, does. he dunked on Anthony Davis last year, started talking shit to him. He put um, uh, Tobias Harris his comp. Like most people compliment yeah. Tobias Harris, just like you. Dunked on him, talked shit to him. He has it. He has yeah. it. I mean, and then you he saw early, too, here and there. You would see early, too, like the matchups against the Giannis's and the Kawhi's, the guys he was kind of comp to. You could tell he got up for those matchups. So, like, somebody that's passive and just content with standing in the corner, you know, they, they're not doing that. You know, he, he got up for those matchups to match up with him defensively and to try to go out and score against him. So, he definitely has it in him. I just, I just would like to see it more consistently. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I'd like to see him start doing some things like just when, when he gets that ball at the three-point line and he's open, pull the trigger. I mean, like, he, he passed on two or three threes against the Lakers where, I mean, yeah, there was somebody closing out, but those are open shots in the NBA, right? I mean, he, he was, it wasn't like he was at a standstill. It wasn't like he had a dribble. All he had to do was shoot it and he's passing on it. Well, so, I think that's Wes's fault. At least this season, he's not doing that thing. It drove me nuts his first two seasons where he would, and Avdia was doing the same thing where they would drive, they would take like two, three dribbles, get to the middle, and then they would just stop and pick up the ball. Pick up the dribble, yeah. Look for somebody to pass it to. Now, both of them have largely cut that out. Corey Kispert is the next one to break up that habit. But um, at least he stopped that part. 
So, all right. So it's two of us who, who agree, man. You you gonna be the lone dissenter, or will you say he has an inner dog in him? You say he doesn't. Or, like, no, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it. I need to see it. Oh my god! <laughs> I need to see it consistently. I need to see somebody. Boy, I'm Samuel right coming for you. I want to see. They gonna slice you up. I I want to see somebody who goes out there and like has that inner fire that that just he gets mad when somebody scores on him that. Um, you know, he gets mad if he turns the ball over, that he dunks on people with ferocity and then does it again the next trip down the floor, not three weeks later. Well, you know, he does get the ball, like, you know, like last night, like to, to, like to your point, Domo, um, guarding LeBron. LeBron made Stanley Johnson switch. Like, LeBron thought it was going to be easy. Like, okay, like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get on really. Hit on with that one step back, that one pull-up step, hit, hold that in his face. It's like, yo, he – he can go at the best players in the league and they have to they I'm sorry, what did you say? That was one play. Doesn't matter. He has it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He has it. Like we have to do that more. But all right, so yeah, that's LeBron does that thing to guys 15 times a game, 30 times that's, a game. That's someone's LeBron's someone's goat. I'm not asking Rui to become the goat. Like to some people, LeBron's their goat. I'm How many just times asking the game does John Morant do that. He's not the goat. How many times does Tyrese Halliburton do that to people? Um, I think Rui, Rui's probably better. I would say Rui's better than Halliburton. No, you'd be wrong. I don't know about that. I would say that. We'll see. It's, it's young. We'll see. It's, it's like Kawhi Leonard or – like we have a lot of guards, big guards, who, who are going to get like numbers and assists. Like we, we, we truly have to um, – you know, every 10, 10 years, I'm like, let's create a new metric to measure it. Like – we have big guards. He's gonna put up numbers, and I'm talking about in the grand scheme of things in terms of winning players. I'm taking Rui. I'm taking Rui. I just I, I that's why I'm starting a free Rui propaganda, man. We're gonna get it played on T-shirt. I just I just try, I'm just trying to look at it, you know, just just logically from, you know, just roster construction standpoint. Like, how is he gonna be, you know, the the feeble Rui? You know, with a Tobias Harris here, you got KP in the front court, and of course Bradley Beal at the top of the roster. Like, how is he going to be that here? Oh, you, you know, you know, you know what it is. It's, it's a hard choice, though. It's it's between we have to let your man's go, we have to we have to sell high on your buddy on on, on Kuz. That's how. Like, it's a I don't like, think they're gonna do that. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna do that, man. Well, they're not think- gonna be able to afford Kuz. It's like we have to do it. We can't afford I mean, there's a, there's a nice salary slot that should be available now that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's gone. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I think, I think he's, he's want more. Like he's close to a max. He's cool. Should get Harrison Barnes money. So, okay. Hold up. Let's just, as my friend Ben Becker would say, let's zoom out, zoom out for a second, because what we're talking about now is whether we can afford, we being the wizards can afford to pay Pat Kuzma or Rui, and keep in mind, these guys are both playing pretty significant minutes for a team that's going to win, what, 34 games, 35 maybe. So, I mean, it's not like these guys are – at least I do not see them as building blocks of a good team. I think they can play roles. I think Rui's role is, you know, coming off – basically sort of a, a front court version of Lou Williams, right, where he's – just comes in, his his job is to get shots up, hit threes, run around, just be a general pest for about 20 minutes a game. And then, um, you know, you close yeah, with we'll a Hall of Famer. And everything else. 
right? Kuzma, I, I like Kuzma. I enjoy watching him play. I like what he's doing with the young guys and that kind of stuff. I just don't think he's that good. So, <laughs> um, all right. So, Mo, I'll, I'll lead that to like, you. you know, I'll uh, let you defend your name. I guess that he, he seems to have something to say. Yeah, so so when you say you don't think he's that good, are you saying, like, you, you don't think he's as good as, you know, the Wizards are kind of making him as far as, like, featuring him as a primary playmaker, score, or do you feel like he's a guy that should come off the bench? Like, when you say so, not that good. Like, so I think his good? ideal role is, is like a super sub coming off the bench um, or – as a starter, but I, I wouldn't necessarily see him as, as playing, um, you know, like 36 minutes a night. I think that's, that's a lot for him, <clears throat> but I think, I mean, what I'm really trying to get at is like this season. So in terms of like having like him be your third or fourth guy, like number one, he's not efficient enough as an offensive player to be like your number one option. They've given no, him. No, 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 definitely not. Yeah, Definitely. so they've given him the higher usage, like during this like stretch of games where he's been like you know the 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 better version of himself. We're talking you know still six, seven, eight points below league average in terms of offensive rating, individual offensive rating, right? That's really so, bad. The thing with him is that throughout his career, he's been just as inefficient, even with lower usage. So it's not like he's an ideal third or fourth option either. Like if you cut him back down to 20, 18% usage, he's still six, seven, eight points per hundred possessions below the average. And ideally what you get with that third or fourth option is a guy who is like super efficient so that when they're keying on your best player and when they're trying to take that load up and take that guy away and he passes it and bring it around the perimeter and then you've got a guy who can punish, right? Hmm. Sounds like Rui. Ball a lot to do it. That's Sounds not Sounds cool. like Rui. That, I, mean, I, I actually think that that's a potential role for Rui. But mm. I, like I said, I don't really see him in a starting role unless he can somehow. No, hey, hey, Domo, get him, man. No, he be talking shit about Kuz. He just getting warmed up. Like, throw yeah, so like, get him. He just so, getting so, warmed up. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of like... I, I was kind of just, just, just going through like old teams, like championship teams, just trying to like kind of from a roster construction standpoint, like look at this Wizards roster and like define roles. And so I was looking at the old Lakers 09 championship roster. And I was like, man, you know what? Kyle Kuzma, I think, can really embrace like that Lamar Odom type role. You know, 6'10", kind of multi-level player, do it all forward. They kind of do a little bit, little bit of everything. Um, but obviously not a guy you would want as your number one or number two scoring option just because the efficiency isn't there and, and i think i think the wizards could get that type of production out of him whether it be off the bench or you know starting uh if he's starting you know you know he's playing probably 30 minutes a game or if he's coming off the bench he's still playing 30 minutes a game and he's closing games for you because i know that lakers team closed games with Derek fisher kobe uh trevor ariza odom and then Powell gasol and i can see similar roles you know for him and bokp uh kcp those guys on the team. But yeah, I, I don't think Kuzma is a guy you, you say, here, here's the ball. Here's a 35% usage. Go take 20 shots a game. Like he's, I would never, I'm not going to sit up here and say that he's that type of player. Um, but he, for me, is for sure a starter, starting level player. And a guy I think could be a third, third wheel on a, on a, on a really good team. I won't say title contender. Cause that, I, if you're saying title contender, you got to have a top five guy at the top of your roster to begin with. And the Wizards don't even have that, but Shoot, if he was on the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves right now are about to win about 
what, 45, 46 games, maybe 48 games possibly, Kuzma would be their third best player, in my opinion. So, yeah, I agree that there's just a lot of good points there. Um, I agree Kuzma would be great with, like, Minnesota, um, with a few of the other teams around the league that could use just that sort of 3-4 wing who's got some skills. I mean, he's a good player. Um, it's just, is he a building block? Is he going to be the quality of a third star? Um, you mentioned Lamar Odom. One of the things about Odom in that um, championship run and, like, the season before that as well is he was significantly more – he was more efficient than league average. I mean, that season when they, the Lakers won the championship, he was about two points per 100 possessions, um, more efficient than league average. The year before that, he was about, like, uh, about eight points per 100 possessions, more efficient than league average. Um, if Kuzma, Kuzma has consistently, like I said, been below average in efficiency, and that um, that's a drag on the offense. And, like, he's not a great defender, so he doesn't really make that up. That said – you know, there is a role for a guy like that, especially, you know, like you say, in a place like Minnesota, where if he was coming off the bench, for example, or even as a starter, but coming off the bench and just his job is to get buckets with the second unit. I mean, that's an ideal role for him. And he would, he would crush it that uh, kind of, kind of situation. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, Kuzma is an interesting guy. I think Ron may have some thoughts on him. So fire away. No, I like Kuz, right? I remember my whole point, I want to see Denny Freed. If you have to, you know, it's, it's a close race, right? But close races must have a winner. I'm going to say the winner of who's more talented um, goes to Rui, right? And in order to free him, someone has to move. And the person who has to move, like what he or Kuzma has to go because you're both right. They they play a similar type of uh, a game or skill set. And Kevin's right in the sense that he sees them both as a super sub. So if they are that super sub, you can't have two super subs. It you end up like LA Clippers when the when they got both the power forward anyway. Yeah, at least not both that power forward because then it'll be a Clipper situation. We'll we'll land a star and then they'll hate the star. The subs will hate the star and then uh, be LA all over. Um, but no, like so I, I like them. I just I really don't think we're going to be able to afford them. Okay, so Brad will take up thirty five percent of the cap. I'm not quite certain what uh, Casey will KP's number is if it's like 25 or 30 percent but he has a hefty contract so you're talking about close to 60 percent of the cap going to two players someone's going to give coups about 27 30 percent of their cap someone will he's played himself into um that interesting piece can give you buckets in a variety of ways uh has improved his handle a bit he's always had like a grab bag of uh unorthodox shots so he, he's a creative finisher um, he's an innovator out there, and he wants it, right? So someone's going to pay him that, and I, I think the Wizards won't won't get to that level because if they do, then you're looking at um, your cap. Like, to those three players, perhaps that's a championship team, but um, that that's a lot of money tied up to, to three players who, um, well, at least, like, couldn't even get this team to the play-in. You know what I mean? So um, I, I don't think you can, whereas like Rui, um, I think we'll be able to shortchange him a little bit on that first contract because of the minutes that we're giving him. So we're able to like keep his uh, money low. But to get back to the general point of it, between the two, I have no no qualms about anything Kyle Kuzma has done. Um, I know like a, a guy we interacted with on Twitter, Big Ron. So like Big Ron, his, 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 his,
But when you're in a heater like that, you, you're able to do that. And this guy, I say that to say he's been in a heater for uh, technically since like then when he got up, up out of here, right? Like, so he's been playing well. And the more he plays well, it increases his price. And so that's that's my thought, like, process on him long term. Now, if he's staying here, I'm, I'm with you. I think he can be that 2A, 2B. Um, I thought he can get a chance to, like, creep up into, like, a 1B. But to do that, you you have to win games. Like, it's okay to put up superstar numbers, but like you have to win something, at least be 500 uh, at the minimum, dragging your team to to the to the finish line. And he hasn't quite done that. He's not as efficient. Um, so I still think he can be like a two way. If we do keep him, I think he can be a two way. And if we build right around him, uh, who knows where this team can go? I mean, you get John Wall or something. Get John Wall or like uh, Russ to come back on on a you know friendly deal. I think it unlocks clues even further. It's just again, I don't think we can afford him, so I'm not going to get too tied up into what he can possibly do here. But I don't hate him like Kev does. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, filled with hate. That's like the theme of the show. It's like um, maybe that'll be the title. What? Don't hate he's him like? Yeah. No, not hate. Like he doesn't hate him. He just. He's a little more tempered about uh, what he can do. Like, he, he called it, though. He said he's in a hot stretch. He's going to cool down. He did. I was hurt. I wanted to talk trash, but he called it. Here's, I mean, and here's the thing, though, is that even during the hot stretch, he was still, like, way below average in terms of efficiency. I mean, the league was rolling at, like, you know, 113 points per 100 possessions, and he, he was, like, 108, you know, so 107, somewhere in there. So – it's like um, even hot, he wasn't all that hot, right? Ooh, I like that. Even hot, he. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just view him as, I view him in the context of his fit with playing off of KP and Beal, not so much coups and then full random guys, and he getting all the usage and, and taking all the shots. Because I don't think that version of coups is one that's winning anything for anybody. Yeah. Um, but, but in the, in the framework of, you know, some, some coups pick and roll with KP, you know, some rebound and go opportunities playing off of Bradley Beal. That's another guy that, that has to be defended in, in game plan for, I think having all three of them on the floor together makes all of their jobs easier. And I think you'll see efficiency increase because of that. But yeah, if it's, if it's just going to be Kyle Kuzma out there by itself with a bunch of you know, young guys and, and G League below replacement level players, then yeah, you're gonna see bad efficiency. You're gonna see, you know, you know, it's not gonna be a lot of wins associated with that. Yeah, and see, I, I can see the vision. I mean, I can see what you're what you're getting at. My concern with it is, I mean, I mentioned this before, it's just that even when Kuzma had lower usage rate, even when he was that secondary or tertiary guy, like when he was playing with LeBron and, and AD, that his efficiency still wasn't good, right? And so, you, you, like I said, you, ideally what you want is for that third guy to be, you know, somebody who, who really is efficient because he can hurt the, hurt the opposing defense if they uh, focus on the other. I mean, ideally the defense would be focused on Beal and then on Porzingis, and then whoever that third guy is would just be tearing him up every time he gets, gets a chance, right? M- maybe Kuzma will be that. Um, you know, maybe he's genuinely improved. I'm just saying that he he hasn't really shown that. He didn't show that this season, you know, before he went on his 
hot streak, you know, his boosted up up in production. He didn't show that um, playing with LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. You know, it's it's um, it's concerning, and so that would be my concern trying to put put together a team where he's even the third guy. Dang. Yeah. I mean, I would like him as a third guy. I just don't. I just think he's going to outplay um, what we can offer him. But dang, not a third guy. Well, see, I would love to see him like in a role. Like I said, my ideal role would be like he's coming off the bench. He's a six man. He's playing you know, 30 minutes a night coming off the bench and where his job is to lead that second unit. I think he'd be fantastic at that. You know, second units in the NBA would have just a terrible time trying to keep up with him, I think. And I think that would be his best his best uh, use. And I would see him in kind of that like not that he would be this good, but in that manager Ginobili kind of um, situation where he's he's a really valuable member of your team. Maybe he's your third best guy, but he's coming off the bench playing 30 minutes, right? And you're not putting him out there as like your third starter. He's going to play off of Beal and Porzingis. It's more like, you know, he's the guy who comes in. And when he's in there, he's your second option. Maybe he's going to be average or a little below average efficiency. But, you know, the, the, the other team's efficiency is dropping too because they've got, uh, you know, scrubs in, <laughs> their bench guys in, and maybe Kuzma feasts on the, the bench defenders instead of, you know, having to go, go against the other team's best lineups. So, okay, fair enough. So let's, um, unless anybody's got anything else to say about Kuzma or Rui, um, why don't we talk to Wizards? They've got 70 games in the book, um, 12 games left. Um, this will go out on Monday morning. That night they play the Houston Rockets. And so that's 12 games left. Um, let's do it like this. Like, what do you want to see from the Wizards over the last uh, 12 games? And then um, what do you expect to see? And so, um, Damo, go ahead and fire first if you want. Yeah, so I want to see less Neto. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely less Neto. Uh, I want to see less KCP with a green light. Um, yeah, those two things. I think if they just do those two things, then the other stuff would just happen by default. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more shot opportunities for Rui. Um, actually, maybe run some plays for him for a change. Uh, maybe some more rebound and go transition opportunities for Denny. I really want to see him try to dunk on some people because um, I'm, I'm sick of the, the, the missed layups. And it seems like he's kind of like changing his mind in the air, not sure what he wants to do with the ball. And it's just like, you know, just go up with the idea that you're going to dunk it, you know, and let somebody knock you on your butt. Uh, and then Kispert, uh, just do what he's been doing. Just kind of earning his minutes, being a smart off-ball player, finding his spots, uh, making corner threes, um, trying his darnest on defense, even though he still gets cooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, as far as Gafford, I mean, just being that energizer bunny off the bench, uh, you know, he. I was just watching the Lakers game back uh, earlier today. He he completely changed that third quarter, that 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 back end of the third quarter when KP picked up his fourth foul, mm-hmm. to when KP back came back in. That was all Gafford. Mm-hmm. Um, he he can do that every game. He just needs to play and be consistent and you know play smart. Um, so I I want to see that those four young guys, kind of really kind of showing their worth in spots that I can see for them going forward next year. Cause, cause next year, 
I'm not sure how much development is going to be going on because they're really going to be trying to compete for a top six playoff spot. Um, And it's not going to be the time to be working on Denny's left hand or for Rui to still trying to figure out defensive rotations or, you know, Gafford still picking up two fouls in the first two minutes. Like, it's not going to be no time for that. It's going to be time to, to really play winning basketball. So try to, try to, I, I, that's what I want to see these last 12. Um, What I want to see 12 and 0 sneak into, like, I love playoffs, man. Like it's different, man. Playoff game is, is different. If they could, they could go 12 and 0, drag themselves into the play in, play into the playoffs. Wouldn't be mad at it. Like, that's what I want to see. It's not going to happen. Um, What I expect to see is, um, Neto still playing point guard. Sadoransky, who no team gave minutes this season to, playing a lot of minutes at point guard, playing a lot of minutes. Um, Denny and Rui still being marginalized, um, taking the bare minimum. Um, and then I do expect to see West continue to grow. And I know, like, whoever heard the pod, like, last week, uh, you know, my mind's changed on Russ. Like, the team has um, set him up, like, with no experience head coach. And even with that said, I still felt like he needed to uh, innovate, like, make things, make adjustments on the job. And he did that last night. Um, and even, like, with, like, running stuff with Corey more, like, using Corey more, like, helping helping his development, um, he started, he's starting to, to, to do something different. So I, I expect to see that continue, like, the progress he made last night to to like start boiling over because um these next 12 games they matter for development purposes but they don't matter in terms of standings like if he hasn't been fired or let go now he's coming back next year we've already accepted where we're at and he gets a chance to play with a clean slate uh, a little pressure off his uh shoulder i mean coach wouldn't want a clean state slate so uh i expect to see that i expect to see see him make more adjustments and, and i'm looking forward to it yeah yeah, so I, I'm kind of along with you, Ron, and that is um, what I would like to see is like make a decision. If you're if you're going to go for the for the playoffs, go. You know, cut down the rotation, play eight guys, your best eight. Don't worry about position. Just go out there, try to win. Go twelve and zero. Um, barring that, go ten and three. Yeah. You know, yeah, I book in the season. They've got the they've won their you know thirteenth game left. So if you can win. Uh, you know, 10 or, you know, nine more out of the last 12, Hey, 10 and three to start the season, 10 and three to end the season, go into the off season, feeling good. It's kind of scary to think that the wizards could conceivably win their next 12 games. They could go 12 and 0 over their last, you know, last 12 games and still miss the plane. <laughs> so, cause the uh, play in line right now is about 41 and a half. So they, if they got to 42, they'd probably be, have about a 50-50 chance of even making the playoffs if they get to 42 wins, which I don't expect them to do. Uh, what I expect is that they'll win, you know, probably four games the rest of the way. I think they are going to try to make the play in. I think that they're just not that good. They're going to get beat, and uh, they'll end up with, you know, like I said, probably about four more wins to, to bring it in right on the Vegas number, the, the 34. Um, yeah, I owe you a bottle of uh, I owe you a case of wine if that happens. Yeah. I, I lost. I know I lost. They not getting to 40, 44 wins at all. No, there's uh, there's zero chance of that at this point. So like, how, how many wins did you have for the team before the season started, Domo? So hold on. I had him at I had him at about forty three. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I picked, uh, I had 39, so I'm over too. So, but, but Ron, actually, in a sense, you could get, you could still get to 44. So if they win all, tw- all 12, right? Then when you play in games, you at least have an argument for 44. Okay. Mike, let's go for it. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, two things, two points to both of you all I'm, I'm curious about. So, like, uh, I'll just get them out now. Um, Kev, you said um, you expect them to, to go for the play-in and cut down the, the rotation to, to eight guys. No, no, no. Uh-huh. I'm, saying, I, I, I'm saying that they should cut down the rotation. Oh, to, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Rotation, try to win out and make a plan if, if that's what they decide to do. And if they're not going to do that, you know, t- take the veterans out, sit them out because of, you know, uh, a sore, sore hair follicle or whatever, and, um, <laughs> you know, play the young guys and see what they can do. That's what they do. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, Domo, you said uh, you expect Denny to start banging on people. Man, I saw him miss a wide open layup yesterday. Yeah, that was that was cringe, man. I I, I was I was kind of joking on Twitter, man. I I'm wondering if he me if he might need LASIK, man. Like I I I don't think I've seen a dude six nine miss this many point blank wide open layups. Like six nine and athletic, like not like a a Glenn Davis type, you know, feet on the earth, stuck on the earth type player. It, it's amazing to see. He has some really bad three point misses too. That just you know, the moment they leave his hand, you can see they're offline or they're going to be way over or way short. I mean, it's, um, he, he really, I, I do wonder sometimes about that Domo, not just with him. There's a lot of guys. Like, I wonder if that's part of what's behind Beal's drop in three point percentage recently, like that, you know, he can pass the, the, the eye test that they give, or he's got to, you know, needs a new prescription or if he could do with LASIK. I wonder if that's the issue with Westbrook and his shooting, um, mm. you know, and I do wonder if that's that's a potential issue with uh, with Optia as well. Ooh. See, I never looked at uh oh. Yeah, See, man, it's like a Carlos Rogers situation. That perception is off. Like it's, it's some of these shots that be going up don't they don't have a chance in hell, man. Yeah. Ooh. I hope you all are right. I think I see him wear glasses. See, but the the one part of me, I mean, so I've I've theorized about this for for years, right? But Every time I've talked to somebody who works with the team, they always tell me, oh, no, in the pre, in our training camp, we do our, pre, you know, our preseason physicals and all that kind of stuff. You know, they, they always do, say, we do eye tests, right? We, you know, we'll update, they, they do the tests, they update their prescriptions. You know, guys wear contacts and stuff or goggles, but most of them are in contacts if they need vision correction. And they assure me that they do this every year. And yet I'm still, I still question it because, you know, like I said, Beal was a terrific shooter. He was a great shooter coming into the into the league. He was a, a terrific, you know, 40 plus percent three-point shooter for several years in a row. And then suddenly now this year he's 28%. That's yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think Beal Beal shot, I think his form is just different. Um, yeah. I was watching old clips of him back against the 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 Hawks when uh when Wall messed his wrist up. And Bill was like 25 a game from that point on. Like he was shooting the ball differently then. Man. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the, the jump shot for him. The, the mechanics were just totally different than how he shoots now. And I don't know if he changed them to become better from the mid range and off the bounce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a different shot for him back then. That that does that could be you know that is true. The way you have to shoot one dribble pull up the the mechanics for that versus uh you know wall delivering it to you and your shooting pocket like that could be something 
you know, to look at. Because it's not, it's not set shots anymore. Like, he's not being set up. He, you know, for the most part, he's going out and getting the threes himself. It matters. Am I still here? Do you all hear me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a potential. I mean, that, that's a potentially good reason. I mean, certainly shooting more pull-ups, um, trying to shoot more threes off the dribble. I mean, for most players, percentage, their, their accuracy goes down when they're shooting off the dribble. Yeah. So that could be part of it. Yeah, it's like analytics didn't change the game. Uh, players who can shoot off the dribble change the game. That's what changed the game, man. Like, people, it's, it's a different. Now you have to. It's tough. Like, playing basketball um, one way. Because even, like, 2010, like, out back, you know, Steph really popped off, like, 2012, 2013. Um, trying to, like, incorporate that into your game then, it's, it takes years. Yeah. It took me, like, six years to get efficient at the one dribble pull-up, man. I just did catch and shoot. I just stuck with that because by the time that people were trying to shoot off the dribble and two and step back from 28 feet and all that kind of stuff, I was already old. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't think I'm, I got a mid range step back. I don't think I can get into the step back threes. Like it's, it's a wrap, but, but Bill, and we, we all can agree on this. He, he evolved, like um, added new things to his game year after year after year. Mm -hmm. Like, so you, to stay up, you have to adapt, but then that may, you know, tinker with what got you there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's something. But uh, back to it, yeah, I, I would love to see Denny dunk on people. Like, I, I think it will bode well for uh, for the young guy's confidence. Uh, for Like, I tell all, like, uh, Israelis that, that I know, like, yo, he, he's the greatest talent your, your country has ever, like, produced. Like, he's the great one. Um, he'll have more people behind him believing in him. So uh, I think it, it, it will bode well. I just 100% though, like, uh, of other opinion that for whatever reason, Wes doesn't think as highly as our rookies or early young talent as we do. And he's steadfast on his rotation, which means they will continue to get marginalized. And, and, and to be fair to Wes, he could be right, you know? No, he's wrong, man. <laughs> he could be right, man. That is a possibility. Like, I, I remember... I remember Wiz, Wiz Twitter being very fond of Troy Brown Jr.'s upside. And yeah, we saw that I saw him so. at Oregon. He, the real new, the Conference of Champion folks knew. He couldn't even beat Cal. We, like, the real new. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, fans get really hyped up about, uh, you know, some of these young guys. It's, it's been fascinating to see, like, on the, the like, Wizards' reaction to, to, Wizard fan reactions to the players that are on the team versus younger players on other teams who are more productive, they're better, they're, they're doing all these these great things, and that they, they, they there are all these reasons why those guys it's fake, phony, they're not that good, but the Wizards guys are all going to be great, and it's um, it is a little amusing to to hear that, and that's an age old thing. I mean, I've been hearing that. I mean, if you've been around Wizards and Bullets since 1978. What about us who weren't born, man? We weren't born then, man. I know, I know. I, I was a So you also – But I actually you – gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta you gotta watch other teams' young talent because sometimes if you just watch one team, you kind of get stuck in your own echo chamber. and You know, then you – you know, you call all your – our young guys future all-stars and then you go actually see a real future all-star and it looks a little different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We're the only team not playing our young guys. Yeah. We're like one of the only teams who, who are not playing our young guys. Like in all of these young guys who are blossoming now, 
Like besides, like Cam Thomas, he he came into like a good role, but I'm talking about like you know lottery picks who are blossoming. They've had opportunities to take their lumps. Um, I I always haven't. Like I don't think anyone can say like our young talent has had a chance to to like really take their lumps outside of last year. And we saw what they did over the last stretch of the season. And then this year, you we infused the team with nothing but vets. Um, therefore, stymieing the the young talent's growth. Like other teams, you, you get two precocious wings. I mean, forwards, like, I think they both should play on the wing, but we have them in the front court. Like, but you get two precocious uh, tandems like that, they're interchangeable. See, like Boston, Jalen Brown, um, and uh, Tatum. Like, not saying that they're on that level, but they, they similar skills. But yeah, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Um, you let them, you let them develop, and we haven't we haven't done that. So that's a part of the equation too. So here's the thing. So a few years ago, I wrote this was I mean probably ten years ago now. I wrote a piece about um, player development, and I talked to a whole bunch of people. Um, I spent a lot of time on the phone talking with people, and there was plenty of d- division. There was plenty of debate about um, like what the best way to quote unquote develop players you know, what, what the best method is. Um, you know, there were some who were just, you know, force feed of minutes, you know, you work on them because that way they, they take their lumps and they figure it out, right? And then there are others, and I would say the consensus was more on the line of that young players should be trying, should be earning their minutes, that not just gifted their minutes, right? Oh. And that they have to show things in practice. They have to outplay the guy ahead of them in practice before, before they're going to get take that guy's job. Because the other guy has a job, and this is a, the the league is about winning. Now, you can argue that 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 like the winning that the team should be taking like a longer term view. The coach even should take a longer term view, and you know, give some of that playing time to younger players so that they can learn. But it's like, you know, we we were going to talk about this, and we kind of maybe we talk about it. But like, you hear a lot of people talking about Denny Obdia playing him at point guard. It's like. What have we seen that would make anybody think that he he could really be a good point guard in the NBA, even an adequate point guard in the NBA? I mean, he, he that's the thing to me. <laughs> I mean, and, but that's the thing too with like with like Rui. It's like the coaches are seeing all of those that lack of awareness that I see, you know, three four times a game. The coaches see that fifteen times, right? The um, the the with with Danny, the coaches see those three. They see those times when the guys pass on open shots. Or when they they don't know the play, which happened in the last game, and you know, Ish Smith looked like he was about to lose his stuff out there. I mean, yeah. those are the kinds of things that people that they see, the coaching, the teammates see that you know the fans ne- won't necessarily notice. And um, so it's like either the coach is completely wrong, and um, which they are, thirty one of them are wrong every year. They don't win. Sometimes, and and one thing that I mean, one thing that they get wrong a lot is by relying on things like draft position versus um, how a guy actually performs on the floor. Okay, all right, I'm with you. Like, I think again, this this just goes to the the era shift. Like before, players who were coming out, like Michael Jordan, griped about this. Like now, players get paid based on potential. We had to earn it before the corporate money started coming in. Like, I get that. And they paved the way. They took on, you know, all the burdens they could bear. But now the league has went to a youthful moment. Like, they understand that. Like, let's keep the talent coming in, turning it in, 
Hence why they're about to go back. Now 18-year-olds are going to allow soon to, you know, come to the league. If not, if, if you look at G League Elite, you can look at it as a pathway as well. So it's it's primarily built on on youth. Like, and that's the way it's going. You you keep getting the next generation's money, you live forever. David Stern's a genius in that perspective. So if it's built on youth and the team, the fans want to see the youth, you have to you have to go to that. And we see it. It's farm systems. And then there are title contenders. If you're not a title contender, then you must become a farm system. Like, I mean, other all the teams who are making the playoffs, some of them don't think that they have a shot. Maybe eight teams feel like they really have a shot. The other eight, a lot of them go from, um, you know, a lot of them go from farm systems. Like, let's just let our players develop, take their lumps, and they get better. And then within three, four years, we're here. Oklahoma City did it. They're redoing it now. Memphis did it. They're back where they need to be now. And that's how we have to do it. So we, we have to become a farm system, yet we're playing like we're contenders. And therefore, our opinion of our young players is they're, they're the only young players who haven't got an opportunity to take their lumps. Yeah, I just think, I, I think I'm on the, on the, like Broom was mentioning, like some coaches believe, you know, just kind of throw them in the fire, let them do mess up and play through it. But I guess I'm on the other side of that. I just feel like, you know, sometimes that that can be bad too because then you're developing bad habits. Like, you know, with our young guys, I want to see us put them in positions to to do things that they would do on in a winning situation. You know, like Rui coming in being a, you know, decent mid-range shooter. Like run some plays for him to get those mid-range looks. You know, he's a good athlete. Run some plays to get him downhill where he can finish plays instead of him having to catch it and make a decision and make reads. Like, you know, put him in positions to succeed, but you're not just giving him the ball and saying, hey, just go out there and do whatever the hell you want to do. And if you mess up, we're not going to take you out. Like that to me is not development. That is just, yeah. you know, that's just that's just playing pickup ball for real to me. That's what Houston's doing. Yeah, that's, yeah that, that's, that's what Houston's doing. They're just giving the ball to Kevin Porter Jr. to do whatever the hell he want to do yeah. uh, and take whatever shot he want to take. Play defense is optional. Like, that's not that's not development. Um, no, no, that's what I'm with you. I'm like, like the plays we run for Kuz, like how we let him handle the ball and set up the action, let Denny do it. The Putting KP at the uh, the wing, at the middle yesterday and on the wings, like, okay, let's let's put um, let's put Rui at the elbow and let him make a play. Let's, let's devise the game plan around those players, not that's what I meant by to be clear, not, yeah. you know, go do what they're doing in Houston. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and to add to that, I don't think putting Denny at, at point guard would be, <laughs> would be positive development for him. I think that would kill his confidence because you're talking about the deepest position in the NBA that requires the most offensive skill. And I can make an argument that he might be the most, least offensively skilled player on the team right now. Um, like he's got to get, he's got to get a left hand. He's got to get some ability off the bounce, scoring the ball. He's got to get a three ball. He's got to finish at the rim. Like, so you're going to put him at point guard. It, uh, that that could kill that kid's confidence. I want to see, I want to see him do the basic fundamental things first, make your layups, open threes, hit those at an average, decent, decent to average clip. And then if you do that, then we can expand your role. Now we can get you in, pick a role actions. Now we can get you downhill. Maybe you can play make here or there. But, like, you got to do the basic things first, and then we'll graduate you up. We'll promote you. Yeah. Um, but but he's got to do the basic stuff first. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, 
there is like I, Avdia. I think he he has shown like good good instincts for the game. He clearly loves to play. He he you know and you talk about the we talk about the the dog with Rui. You know Avdia's got that. He he has yeah, people stuff and he's he's yeah. he's feisty. You know he doesn't he doesn't want to take a lot of crap. He'll he'll bump get physical, rough people up, get roughed up back, not get intimidated by it. All that's good. What he lacks is some skill. And I, to me, there is nothing wrong with him that he can't fix by himself, right? He can't, all he needs is to spend the summer in the gym for, you know, doing a Kobe Bryant 666, you know, summer where he's a thousand made threes a day, right? Yep. If he does that, he's going to be a knockdown three-point shooter. If he... Mm-hmm does a whole bunch of, you know, dribbling, you know, ball handling drills with his left hand, especially he'll develop that left hand, you know, and, and he's, he's got it kind of, you know, he can do it sometimes, but he, you know, if, he, if you're six, nine or six, eight, and you're going to try to be like a primary ball handler, even a secondary ball handler, you've got to be able to handle pressure because that's like the obvious counter, right? If you put Avdia at point guard, the other team is once they see that, especially if you're going to play him in like a six minute stretch or something is you just put guys on him and, and press him full court and he's going to start turning it over because his hand is not that tight, you know? So if Danny will go away, go, go this summer or spend the summer in DC, I don't care, wherever, all he needs is a gym and, and put in the work, you know, get stronger. Of course, everybody needs to, to do that, but get stronger, but really work on the shooting and the ball handling. There's, there's no reason he can't be a really good pro, but, you know, he's got to do that work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, like, they all need work, right? And all of the rookies and second-year players coming in, they come in at with a disadvantage, um, not being able to, like, work out, the t- work out with the team because of COVID, not able to have access to the trainers. So, yeah, so, I like, if he develops, like, cool, cool. He spends, you know, a healthy summer in a gym adding that. It still won't matter until you get to apply it, like, right, to – because otherwise we expect him to be great or efficient at it. He needs to learn through real-life reps. And you only get – like, because otherwise, like, we, we keep him at 25 minutes uh, for a guy whose confidence can waver. You, you basically – uh, enforcing be perfect or you're not going to play whereas like if he's doing great like if he's missing layups last year again opportunity to like run down a court I think that problem is eradicated this year like because he okay now he knows now he has to slow down um because yeah yesterday miss was bad but then he bounced back right so he he's able to to get more mental data to to store like now I know what to do in this situation versus like in a gym when you make those a thousand shots it's perfect, perfect conditions, like not a hand, you know, no one screaming, you suck, no one screaming, you know, any other stuff at you. So the only way you get it is through like application, the work and application. And we like, again, I'll keep, I'll, I'll beat the point to his dead. We don't give them the reps. We haven't done it. And I mean, the earning a point, cool. I don't want to sound like some millennial I'm entitled to something, but I do believe in that Jaden uh, Smith commercial, like, and, and patience is a virtue. Like, you know what you want, you know, like, go be great. These two kids want to be great. They just need the opportunity. They've earned it. They're producing in their limited minutes in the roles that we've asked them with a dysfunctional team. So freedom. All right. So 
we will wrap on that note and we'll be back in a few days with another episode of the so wizard podcast uh, domo thanks so much for joining us um, as we mentioned you can listen to them i highly recommend it listen to the wizards of gallery place podcast you can find that on uh you know wherever you get your podcasts and um you know take a look for them on uh on twitter uh you might see us arguing on twitter that's that's what we, that's what twitter is for so at any rate we're gonna wrap and thank you again for coming on we'll see you next time.